You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Motivated. Motivated. Sky high. Sky high. Rock steady. Rock steady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Okay, that can mean only one thing, and that one thing is the fact that you're listening to America's Web Radio and David's Pick, and we've got a very special guest on today, and uh, as always, as a matter of fact, we we have uh, Rick White, who's the director of the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame here in Atlanta, uh, has been just absolutely fantastic on providing us with guests to be on so we sort of uh, split the show up and call it david's pick but it's also brought to us by the georgia military veterans hall of fame and if you're coming to atlanta (coughs) excuse me make sure that you plan on going by the georgia military veterans hall of fame and on the line with us today is a board member as a matter of fact i believe that's correct uh Mr. Roger Barris, and uh, Roger was a uh, was in the military for 26 years, an illustrious career starting out as an enlisted man. I always liked that because I I came in enlisted, I got out enlisted, and so we have our own trials and tribulations of being low life enlisted personnel compared to the officers, and um, but. We accept them, and they accept us. So, welcome to America's Web Radio and David's Pick, uh, Roger. Glad to have you on today. And Roger, are you there? I am here. Um, having a hard time hearing you, but I'll do the best I can. Okay, well, is that better? That is uh, that is a little bit better, yes, sir. Okay, well, welcome to America's Web Radio and uh, David's pick. That, uh, like I said, I appreciate Rick White and all he does for America's Web Radio and lining up guests and so forth. You had quite a career, starting out as an enlisted man and then becoming a an officer and also a helicopter pilot, correct? That is correct. Uh, I was an Army aviator for the majority of my active duty time, uh, but I did start out as an enlisted soldier in the National Guard uh, as an artilleryman. And like you mentioned, the, the the time you spend as an enlisted guy, I think it really gives you a great perspective on what the, uh, the ground troops and uh, all our enlisted guys do before you become an officer. You... you you get to see things from uh, what I call the ground level, but uh, it was a it was a fantastic, but I'll be honest with you, very quick twenty six years. Well, you but know, enjoyed every day of it. You know, uh, we we've interviewed I don't know how many people at this point, but a number of folks, uh, both in officers and enlisted, and um, you know, it's just amazing that. Uh, one, I don't think that uh, 
anybody that's been in, if they were, no matter what their age is, if they were called back, they'd go back in in a heartbeat. And you'd only have to ask them once for their service. We have that situation uh, with General Dix, who was called up uh, because of his expertise to um, work in the uh, pandemic virus uh, for the government. And he's the uh, logistics coordinator for uh, the pandemic. And um, he's in charge of getting stuff from here to there or there to here. And, uh, you know, I, I know that they didn't have to ask him but once to come back, and I'm sure that's the way everybody is. By the way, I always want to start the show out, and uh, we, had a, we had a brand-new show that started yesterday, and uh, it's a veteran's story, and uh, it was it was a very good show. Uh, we had Colonel, uh, I say we, our host had Colonel Blassie on, and uh, it's going to be posted today, uh, and it may already be up on our website, but uh, I recommend everybody listen to that show, A Veteran's Story. It's Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., and uh, the... The, the host did a fantastic job, and his guest, Colonel Blassie, was telling the story about her brother that was buried as a unknown soldier in Arlington Cemetery. And uh, through a lot of work and effort, they identi- finally identified him. And uh, if you listen to the show, and I was talking to some folks after the show uh, yesterday that had listened to it, and... Uh, Myself included, almost uh, had to pull for the Kleenex myself. And if you listen to the show, you better have a box of Kleenex fairly close to you. It was the most touching show that I believe I've ever heard and ever done, as a matter of fact. And I want to want to thank um, Semka. Pete Semka uh, is the host of the show, and and his guest Patricia. Blossy uh, just did an excellent job. So look us, look it up and uh, listen to it, and you will have the emotions that we all did. So let's get back to Roger and uh, his career. He started out four years in the Army National Guard in Massachusetts, and uh, then he deserted the enlisted personnel and became an officer. And... Uh, started flying uh i guess the most probably the most famous helicopter in the country or for anybody that's been in the military is the huey and uh the story of the huey in vietnam is just absolutely beyond the pale and what what you guys you pilots did and we always on the show uh, uh make an extra salute to the dust-off pilots. Um, they went on missions that, talking about missions impossible, I think that was, I think the the name was, was given to the Huey dust-off pilots that uh, would go any place, anytime, anywhere in Vietnam to uh, save, a, vet- uh, save a, a brother military person. So anyway... I'm I'm through talking. I'm going to turn it over to you, Roger, and let you do some talking. Uh, you did how many tours in Nam? Oh no, uh, I'm not that old. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, 
Bob Mutt. No, I'm the next generation uh, beyond that. I came in on active duty in 1982 uh, after those four years in the Guard. And, you know, Army Aviation actually became a branch of the Army, an official branch in 1983 when I was at flight school. You know, actually, so, it started out as a branch of the Army. Is well, that... yeah, back in the Army Air Corps in the, yeah. in 47, um, you know, it broke off, and, uh, you know, the fixed wing went to the Air Force. All the rotary wing went to the Army. That is correct. But within the, uh, the active-duty Army itself, Army Aviation became a branch in 1983, hmm. and it was a great time to be in flight school. It was... Uh, you know, we're learning how these uh, these machines work because they don't fly like regular airplanes. No, I don't. I don't understand how they. I don't understand how a helicopter. And actually, I don't understand. Now, I was a pilot, but I was a prop pilot. You know, and uh, I understand how that works, but I don't understand jets and I don't understand helicopters. And uh, the thought of uh, the engine going out on a on a Huey or anything else and then doing the rotary thing to come back down and do a soft landing, I really don't want to try that. <laughs> well, we practice that, the auto rotation. And, um, you know, a lot of people say when the if the engine quits in a helicopter, uh, will, those, will those rotor blades slow down? I mean, what happens? Actually, if there's a clutch system up there and the problem is keeping the rotor system from spinning too fast. Hmm. Because if that happens, then you get what's called blue blades. One blue east, one blue west. <laughs> and uh, if you got four, then one went south and north. But uh, no, the aircraft will actually descend. And you have decent control. It's like a car with power steering and power brakes. If you lose the engine, you know, you can kind of maneuver and pull over, hopefully. Uh, but just like a vehicle, you, you're going to go down. You just have to find a, hopefully an open area or perhaps a body of water and ditch it in water. It's not going to be a pretty landing, but it's actually, you know, for the most part, it, it's very survivable. And, uh, but that's just the, the way those things are designed. They're very complicated. You know, basically a helicopter has to create its own lift, uh, unlike you know a fixed wing aircraft so right well uh, i've only uh, been on a huey a couple of times and uh yeah, yeah it's always exciting and fun and what so uh, only, uh your cobra that uh is another incredible helicopter into itself um what did you think of it the cobra was um was you know it was a very sexy aircraft to fly. It really looked cool. It was a uh, very formidable gunship. Um, you know, you could put different weapon systems on there. And again, I was not of the Vietnam era when they came out with the uh, first Cobras, the G models of Vietnam. You know, I talked to some of the older pilots. It was great because uh, the thrust to weight ratio, so to speak, you could have a lot of fuel and a lot of bombs and bullets. But as the decades went by and, you know, my generation came in, uh, you know, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aircraft, they kept adding things, but they never really made big improvements to the engine. So it got to the point where uh, when I was assigned with the 82nd Airborne in 
in the mid-80s, we were flying what was called the ECAS and then the fully modernized Cobra. And these things were excessively heavy. Uh, you couldn't have full fuel and full ordnance. Wow. So depending on the mission, you know, uh, you remember Met-T. Uh, if you go a short distance to your target, then you can carry a lot of ordnance. But if you've got to go a long distance to reach your objective, then you're not going to have that much ordnance to uh, unleash on the enemy. So, you know, it, that was the big problem with uh, the Cobra. Now, uh, I flew one of the modernized aircraft, the Kiowa Warrior, which is reconnaissance, but it was also armed with with rockets and uh, machine gun. And, of course, we have the Apache. Those are truly platforms uh, for the modern age. Um, no no thrust-to-weight issues at all. But uh, as far as my favorite, David, um, you hit the nail on the head. The Huey, you know, it's, I just say anybody, if, if you can fly a helicopter, uh, the Huey's the one you want to be in. It's just easy as far as flying helicopters go and uh, very forgiving. And it was just a workhorse. It did everything. You oh, yeah. know, they made gunships out of it, the Mike models in Vietnam, um, air ambulance, medevac, as you, as you mentioned. So it was, uh, it's a great thing. You know, I, I guess... All that being said, um, every aircraft, type of aircraft that I, I have flown is now in the museum, <laughs> <laughs> except for the Kyle Warrior. But the Kyle Warrior was just removed from the active duty in- inventory, I think, two or three years ago. So, you know, I guess that puts me sort of in the semi-dinosaur category. But uh, <laughs> if you well, go to the Fort Rucker well, Home of uh, Army Aviation Museum, um, all the... All the generations of rotary wing aircraft are there from way back, you know, even prior to Vietnam. So, well, it, it, it's good they haven't stuffed you and put you in a museum. <laughs> you know, um, no, I'm just teasing. By the way, uh, I guess, and and you're more of a helicopter historian than I am, but I guess the helicopters really started getting their place in the military in the Korean War, and then. As we got into Vietnam, and and it was, I think they were doing using the Huey for transport and and like you said, medevac or dust offs first, and then they started arming them and realizing what a powerful machine a helicopter could be in a war zone. And uh, would that be a correct analogy? It, it, exactly. You know, it's. Uh a lot of equipment in the army, uh, helicopters, uh, tanks, you know, they evolve through the experiences of how they're utilized in, in combat mainly. And basically the feedback that you get from the people using it, uh, you know, you, you, you were correct in saying that the, the helicopters started being used extensively in the Korean war. You know, we all seen episodes of MASH and I think it was the H 13 or whatever. And they, they would put litters on it and call it an air ambulance. Um, yeah. But as uh, as other aircraft came in, um, they realized, uh, hey, we can. There's a lot that we can do. Uh, and you know, here you are in the modern generation with, you know, the longbow Apache, which really eliminated the Kiowa Warrior and all the scout aircraft because the Apache pretty much um, can do it all with all the computer technology built in. It can do the reconnaissance. 
the target act, the target acquisition, and of course the delivery of the ordinance on the targets. I would venture to say, I mean, I, I've heard rumors that um, you know ultimately you will remove the weakest component in that aircraft, and that is the human being, and it will be an error-free weapons platform, probably flown by uh, some person in some facility stateside, and the aircraft will go out without a pilot and do what it has to do without having a pilot inside the aircraft. I mean, that technology technically is already there. It's sort of, you know, an advance on what we have as uh, drone technology. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good-sized drone and uh, rather expensive drone um, with the technology that's uh, that's related to the uh, Apache. My goodness, uh it's almost one of those things that uh, it had to happen. You couldn't even dream about it. It just uh, evolved, I guess, in many cases. And well, we need a we need a helicopter that'll do this. We need one that'll do that, and we need one that'll and um, our you know that that's I I am very much obviously a supporter of the United States. We live in the greatest country in the world, and uh, we can do, I don't know of anything that we can't do if we set our minds to it. And I've been so, quite frankly, I've been upset about the fact that uh, between the coronavirus and, uh, and this terrorist junk, that we've forgotten about an activity that's just, you know, has brought us back into space. And uh, I've seen very little, if any, about our our folks on the International Space Station. And I'm sure it's there, and, uh, and I can find it on the NASA channel or whatever it is. But uh, the news should be covering that. We have, we have once again stepped forward as the leader in the world. And that's more important than anything else. Certainly more important than a bunch of idiots throwing bricks and rocks and uh, admitting that they're Marxists. And uh, I just, uh, we've got our priorities out of sync, in my opinion. Well, you know, what's going on is... It is disturbing, and uh, like I told you in the uh, pre-show conversation, I just choose, David, honestly, to to tune that out. If I may, uh, you know, you, you you got my bio ahead of time. Right. Uh, I got off of active duty in 2004, and I literally retired on a Friday from Fort Benning, and that following Monday I was in Columbus High School in Columbus, Georgia, as a JROTC cadet. And uh, I was in JROTC myself uh, in high school in 74 to 78 up in Cape Cod. Mm. And that and my dad and my mom pretty much changed my life and set me on a good path. But the I, I feel pretty hopeful. Uh, you know, I oversee 12 high school JROTC programs now as, as the director for Muskogee County JROTC. And we got about 2,000 kids, wow. you know, Every, every year as far as enrollment amongst these 12 high school JRTC programs. And it, uh, it just fills my heart with joy. There are, there is a large contingent of youth that still believe in, 
in what this country stands for. They're very patriotic. I mean, no kid is going to join high school JROTC unless they want to. It's an elective. Sure, sure. And I'll, you know, I remember putting on the uniform back in 1974. You felt awkward. Other kids made fun of you. And, you know, 74, we were, you know, oh, a yeah. year shy of closing up with uh, Vietnam. Not a great time. No. Uh, of course, but... You couldn't wear your <laughs> uniform through an air, air, airport. Uh, we, in fact, we were ordered not to wear our uniforms if we were traveling. And uh, I always felt that was, uh, that was a shame, and it was a shame. But, you know, one thing that we do do, Roger, and, and I want to expand on this a little bit with, because of what you do. Uh, right now, if a grandparent, mother, father, whatever, or happens to be a teenager that's graduating from high school or a college student that's graduating, and you haven't decided what you want to do yet, the military is perfect. It gives you so many opportunities to do whatever you want to do, learn whatever you want to learn. If you're if you're in high school, it'll give you college. It, it's just the military is fantastic. My son's in the Air Force, and uh, has he and his wife have had a great experience traveling all over Europe, uh, also out to Hawaii. They were stationed in Hawaii for a while, and. Uh, the military and what you're doing is is fantastic roger working with the young folks and showing them what the military is all about and the older i get and the further away from when i was on active duty and stuff it it, i realize there is such a plan in the military and there's a reason for it and you see more and more the the purpose as you get away from it and you'll say well you know, I never understood why we did that, but now I do. And the military has evolved and developed over the year, and it's good for any and everybody that joins. I, I would agree with that. Um, now, JROTC, you know, it's, it's a high school program. Our mission statement is simply to motivate young people to be better citizens. There is no requirement for these kids to enter the military. Um, out of the 2,000 kids we have annually, honestly, David, maybe less than 10% will pursue uh, the military either through direct enlistment, uh, academy appointment, or college ROTC. We don't, you know, we, the Army, the Army side of uh, this program, it is a cost year program with high school districts. We don't care. We just don't want the kid to feel like he doesn't have options out there but um you know i'll send kids to west point air force academy georgia tech and great institutions but i'll also send kids to technical schools to become the hvac repairman a welder whatever the whole goal is to just simply become a productive a productive member of american society you know our thing is don't be angry be busy. Do something with your life. There, there is tremendous opportunity, like you mentioned, um, in and out of the military. In, in the state of Georgia, uh, junior ROTC comes under the umbrella of what we call CTAE, Career Technical and Agricultural Education. Matter of fact, just like that in most states. When you and I were growing up, David, it was called 
voc tech, vocational. Vocational, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's all about opportunity. Uh, but the kids in JRTC, um, you know, kids come in not even knowing they what they want to do, much less do I want to go in the army. But I got a kid. You know, I you know I was partial. I wanted some of my kids to become army aviators. And there's a kid out there right now. He's not a kid. He graduated number four or five from West Point. Marvin Lewis, I'm plugging his name. And right now he's an Apache pilot. Uh, he's in Fort Carson, Colorado, getting ready to go to the sandbox. And this kid is brilliant. I mean, I was his JRTC instructor at Columbus High, but this kid is ten times smarter than I would ever have hoped to be. And he told me recently, he said, you know, uh, Colonel B., um, I'm really enjoying this. I think I'm going to pursue uh, going into the astronaut program. Wow, that's and great. you get goosebumps because I remember Marvin Lewis in his freshman, sophomore year at Columbus High, you know, nine, eight, nine, ten years ago. He didn't even know what he wanted to do. He was a smart kid. He, you know, 4.0 GPA in high school, was on our JRTC rifle team. And here he is talking about, I think... I'm going to pursue the astronaut program through the United States Army. That is what I'm talking about, the hopefulness that you get out of programs. And let me, and let me add, JROTC has been around for 103 years, National Defense Act of 1916, hmm. and one of the most cost-effective youth development programs, probably the best in the country. Well, now, let me I ask mean, you, Roger. The Scouts has been, have been around a long time. And, you know, uh, 4-H, junior achievement. But I think, hands down, junior RTC has really, I mean, it has changed lives. You know, Colin Powell, you know, a very good case in point. Um, sure. You know, everybody thinks, well, the academies have produced probably our best and brightest generals, especially during wartime. But there's a lot to be said for uh, what has come out of junior RTC. I absolutely love what the program is all about, and I feel honored and privileged to be a part of it. But um, with the, these, with, are, these are fantastic kids. With, you know? the, with the stories that you've told and the people, that, the lives that you've touched, um, do you get your wife to pat you on the back, or do you do it yourself? I mean, this, what you've said is, and the influence that you have on these kids, that, I mean, is just, you have a talent that a lot of folks don't have and never will have, and uh, you pull the best out of these kids, and then they return it to you by becoming things that uh, or positions that you never thought of, and, and it's great. So our hat's off to you and what you're doing with your junior ROTC programs. Well, I appreciate that. And... Uh, I think this is, um, you know, this is what makes America great, is that we've got folks like you that appreciate our kids and want to give back to our kids what we've been able to get over the years. And um, I, I love your stories. And, and you, you, may, you, you threatened me, and I'm going to take you up on that threat, that one of these days you're going to bring some of your students into the station and we're going to talk to them get to talk to them david you're going to be you're going to be pleasantly surprised when i show up <laughs> to that radio station in sandy springs uh listen ask paul long or rick white uh 
two guys that I absolutely love. They are, well, they're heroes of mine. You know, they run the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you tell me something and I tell you I'm going to do it, um, I'm going to do it, especially when it has to do with the kids. Uh, it's all about providing them opportunities. You know, I'm a JRTC director. I was uh, in the classroom for eight years and before I did this. And I, I tout and brag on the kids and all that. But after a while, any one of us that, you know, talks about what we do, you can start sounding like a used car salesman. So what I do is, uh, like at our military ball or our JRTC award ceremony and the whole litany of things that we do in this community, I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I just shut my pie hole and I tell the brigade, cadet brigade commander or any one of the cadet leaders, Hey, uh, that TV camera, uh, they want to interview somebody. Get over there and tell them how you feel about JRTC. Because, you know, as the director, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I am not the face of the Lighthouse Brigade JRTC. That's what we call ourselves. Um, the kids are. The kids are the face of JRTC. I'm just paid to keep, you know, the chaos down and, and control the whole thing and make sure that they get funded properly. But this is about the kids and um, if I may what I do do is I love exposing them to, to great organizations and um, you know obviously your show and you've all the guests you've had um, that have been related to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame uh, I met Paul Longer about four or five years ago at a vet breakfast in a Burger King he talked about this you know he told his story driving back from Arkansas, and I was shocked, you know, that a state like Georgia that has, what, over 650,000, maybe 700,000 veterans didn't have a Hall of Fame until Paul Longrier established it in 2013. You know, I'm not from Georgia, and uh, but it just, I was like, why did it take so long? I mean, this this state is filled with, with uh, veterans, heroes, people that do service and achievement, well, it's here, and uh, after I met him, I said, Hey, uh, Colonel Longrier, uh, is there anything that my JRTC cadets can get involved in with your Hall of Fame? And David, here we, <laughs> here we are in 2020, and, you know, Paul and I, we do breakfast probably once, twice a month, and he has come up with a JRTC medal for JR, uh, Georgia JRTC cadets of any service. I mean, Navy JRTC, Air Force JRTC not just the Army kids, and he is, uh, as we speak at this very moment, uh, by 1 August, we're going to be telling four JRTC kids in Georgia that you just earned a Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame $3,000 scholarship. Wow. And uh, I helped great. Paul develop the rubric to score the packets. He got, um, I think, almost 10 packets. We had our little committee, and uh, so... I think I'm not um, speaking in vain. I think Paul Longrier will tell you he will not continue to do the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame induction ceremony in November of every year or the unveiling ceremony in the spring without the involvement of junior ROTC cadets. And my kids down in Muskogee County, uh, David, you have to come to one of these ceremonies. It's you talked about shedding tears earlier. 
to see, you know, 15 to 17 inductees, some of them have been dead for decades. Uh, they, they fell in Vietnam or in some battlefield, but they were nominated and they were selected. And then veterans that have done uh, acts of uh, service or achievement, my cadets are in awe because what they're witnessing is, you know, LeBron James is a great basketball player, but he is not a hero. He is a talented individual with a gift from God to handle a basketball. Ralph Puckett, Army Ranger, is a hero. And then the litany of guys that most people don't even know. Vince Melillo, uh, and it goes on and on. Tommy Clack. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys that are missing body parts. Those are the ones that the uh, the glory of this country, that it's, it rests on their shoulders. It was their rucksacks that were filled with blood, sweat, and tears that makes this country great. God bless our entertainers and our movie stars and our sports figures, but, you know, I'm very passionate, as you can tell right now, <laughs> that, uh, and this is what we want the kids to see and be exposed to, you know? Absolutely. Anybody can go to a baseball game. Everyone should go to a Veterans Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I was at the one uh, at the Capitol uh, this past, uh, uh, what, March, I guess it was? Uh, Whenever it was. But, yeah, uh, I was there with you. So uh, one other thing um, I would like to ask, and, and I promised you I wouldn't throw any hardballs at you, and I hope this isn't a hardball, but it, it's very, very important to me. When your kids get out of the program, how do they feel about our flag? Well, honestly... Now, there are kids that, you know, it's an elective. They join JRTC. Sometimes it's a little bit of pressure from, from mom or dad or both. Uh, oh boy, do we got to wear the uniform. But if I will tell you this. If they stay in the program and go the whole three or four years, as many semesters as they can get, they are extremely patriotic. Uh, the Lighthouse Brigade JRTC, that's the 12 high schools I oversee. Mm-hmm. Everything we do in JROTC, the curriculum, the extracurricular activities, uh, the outreach with the Hall of Fame and American Legion and all the organizations, Fort Benning, um, David, it rests on four core values that I was able to identify and now I, 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 we publish it in everything we do. And that is leadership, scholarship, patriotism, and character. If the kids are going to be involved in anything, or associate with any organization, and that organization or entity touches upon one or more of those core values, I give the green light, let's do it. Like like the Hall of Fame, for example. You know, I mean, it celebrates the, the glory of the people that make this country great, you know, veterans, people that are willing to, to sacrifice everything to include their own lives to continue our way of life. So to answer your question, if they graduate from JRTC, I cannot think, I have never encountered, I've never heard, observed, uh, first, second, the third party, oh, I hate the American flag or I hate what the Constitution has to say. Now, kids will have political views based on mainly from their parents and their immediate surroundings. Um, but my goodness, that's, you will see that on, on active duty in any one of the services. You know, 
that's your choice, how you vote, what your uh, political values are. But uh, the kids leave here, I feel really good about what they leave with, with JRTC. We, we can execute the entire curriculum and get them to graduation in conjunction with their core courses. It's part of a big package, the whole high school package. But I feel good that when they leave, um, it's very apolitical. What we're doing is we're sending you off into the world and telling you, hey, life is serious business. You know, you're, you're not a child anymore when you go out the doors of that high school. There's tremendous amount of opportunities, but the formula for success really hasn't changed. It's no. either get as much education or technical vocational experience that you can. You have to work hard. And you're better off if you love this country because there is no other country that will provide you the opportunities like the United States of America. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Absolutely. And the JRTC kids get that. Okay, let me ask you one other quick question. And uh, like you said, I I obviously could easily be your grandfather, and um, but I still, whether it's your group your young men or women and I, I assume you do have women involved with your or girls involved in your uh, program as well David out of the 2,000 kids in JRTC year to year for the probably the last four or five years 63% of our JRTC cadets are African American female Wow! and they are awesome our brigade commander this past year cadet Kiki Patterson just got a three-year scholarship to Columbus State University. Um, they're phenomenal. But, yeah, it, it, really, the, the thing we're facing is, hey, guys, well, <laughs> what's up with the boys? Why are the girls uh, dominating? But um, I have female JRTC instructors, great women, uh, that are mentoring these kids. And uh, But, yeah, the majority of our kids are female. That's incredible. But what I started to ask you, and uh, from your service days and so forth, and this, I may be giving myself away as being a, a, I don't know what I am, but I still, I, I get the, I get the uh, chill bumps or uh, my hair stands on end on my arms or whatever when I see a good color guard. And the flag going by and the execution of a color guard, no matter what the situation is, it still goes right to my heart. How about you? Well, uh, that's kind of neat that you mentioned that. Many times, you know, we, we are right outside the Fort Benning gate. Um, you know, the, the commanding generals that have come through Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. And all the soldiers, we do our JRTC summer camp on Fort Benning field trips. Kids crawl all over the, uh, the obstacle courses and whatnot. But we, uh, you know, our color guards, we do, my God, dozens and dozens of color guards, particularly around the November time frame every year, you know, Veterans Day and whatnot. And honest to God, David, um, I can't tell you how many active duty officers, NCOs, citizens of Columbus, Georgia, say the JRTC cadets, color guards, look better than the active duty. And really, we do more of them. You know, there are color guards on active duty for, you know, various ceremonies, but they're, they're not that frequent. 
drill-in ceremonies in color guard are part of our curriculum. I mean, we're doing color guards all the time. So it stands to reason that the kids are going to get to them. And, you know, and basic trainees, which are probably uh, involved in some kind of color guard activity, uh, they're not much older than, than uh, our JRTC cadets. So, uh, yeah, color guard, you know, there is a, a right way to do it, and it's called by the book. You know, Amen. Because one of those flags is the U.S. flag, and uh, that's what it's all about. You're presenting the nation to the symbol of uh, the stars and stripes. It's a very serious thing. We take it very seriously. Um, you know, kids that, you know, don't do it correctly or do the maneuvers. And there's many ways to execute color guards, both indoors and outdoors. But my, uh, particularly my NCO, uh, charities instructors, they are experts at it. Matter of fact, we're consulted for color guards all the time by, you know, city government, you know, citizens, organizations. We do it for all the military organizations around here, MOA, M-O-W-W, American Legion, VFW. Um, you know, it's something that the kids do very well. Roger, as, as you're talking, I, I keep sitting here thinking about that the best I can do is say thank you for what you're doing. Your service that you gave to your country was certainly important, and there being a, a pilot was certainly, and I don't know if you've kept active in that or not, but it's certainly important. But what you're doing today, I think, is the most important thing you've ever done in your life for your country. And um, when I say for your country, you know, you've... You've got a lot of clay in your hands that you mold every year, and that's that's our foundation for being the best country in the world. And it starts and is what you're doing. And uh, I'm sure there are other folks across the country that have similar positions as you have, and my hat's off to them as well, that... You all have, you all are holding our future as a country in the world. And I thank you. Well, I appreciate that, David, and, and I do agree with you. I do feel uh, that the 17 years I've been doing JRTC is, in, in a lot of ways, is more important than anything I did on active duty. Um, because, you know, to me, leadership is, is about being a servant about serving and you know I served soldiers worked with soldiers great officers on active duty and you know you do different assignments but you know you're kind of focused on yourself and your family and you're giving by doing your job and doing it the best you can but the JRTC job um, you know it is all exclusively all about the cadets you know and you got to have a lot of energy, especially with high school cadets. And if I may add, here in Columbus, Georgia, we have, they're not, it's not affiliated with uh, Junior ROTC in the sense of Title 10. But we have four cadet programs at the middle school level. And you will see that throughout the United States, uh, especially in Texas. And uh, they have it in Florida. But we started it in Georgia several years ago in Gwinnett County. 
and we have four here in Muskogee County. And David, I will tell you, uh, if JROTC was not 103 years old, it never came to be. And someone asked me right now, Roger, we need to start cadet programs in school. To, you know, and it's not about, again, it's not about trying to get the kids in the military. It's just try to create great citizens. Do you think we should start it in middle school or high school? Without a doubt, I would say middle school because of what I know in public education and what these kids are exposed to. There's a lot of bad out there, a lot of evil, a lot of kids that don't have dads. Uh, some don't have any parents. They're, they're being raised in a home or by a third-party relative. So uh, the earlier you catch them, the better. Well, and our four middle school programs are thriving. They're doing very well. I, I'd like to add something to that. Uh, as psychiatrists and psychologists and all of the rest of the folks analyze gangs and what they stand for or what they're about and they come back to the conclusion that a gang member is looking for a family. Uh, generally speaking, they come from broken homes, uh, homes without fathers, whatever and whatever and whatever. And I, as I've said too many times, probably pe people get tired of hearing it, the military is the largest fraternity and sorority in the world and it's the best family you can ever hope to have and if if you're like i said in high school or or college graduating or whatever you're doing and you haven't found your family yet i guarantee you you'll find the best family you can by going into the military and it doesn't matter which branch you're in and the one thing you learn and you learn it quickly is taking care of your buddy, covering your buddy's back, and expecting him to cover your back as well. And all branches, and as I said earlier in the show, the military has a rhyme and a reason for everything. And the older I get and think back on uh, my active duty time, you know, you'd quit. Why are we doing this? This is stupid. But, you know, 50 years later, I realize why they did it and why they're doing it, and, and in a lot of cases, they're still doing it. But, uh, you know, there's a reason for it, and there's nothing that can hurt you by going into the military. It can only help you. And again, how many, uh, you said, I'm from Texas, and uh, we had junior high schools as opposed to middle schools, but I assume that's what you're, you're addressing as far as yeah. what they got there. And... Uh, I, I think it's wonderful, and uh, do, do uh, well, what's your cooperation with parents? Is it pretty good? Uh, Roger. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, it oh. sounds like you faded out. We oh. got some bad weather going on here in Columbus, so oh, okay. that uh, may be affecting our... Our signal, but um, now, what, if you had a question there, go ahead and yeah, go what, ahead and start away. What, what is your, in general, what is your relationship and uh, experience with parents as far as support goes? It's uh, 
you know, it varies from high school to high school. I was blessed to start out at Columbus High. Um, it's, you know, it's a full magnet college prep high school. It, in any given year, it's either number one, two, or three in Georgia. Um, and the parental support was phenomenal. Uh, I recruited chaperones for my extracurricular activities, and they became friends, you know, like Colonel... Kyle Fager, his daughter was uh, was one of my cadets, and I needed chaperones to help with uh, refreshments for the team and the and the road trips to different competitions. And then, uh, you know, it's you've got to put work into it because let's face it, life, you know, in in the modern day, both parents are working. Uh, you know, this isn't the June and Ward Cleaver days anymore. Um, <laughs> People have to go out and earn a living. If you want a, you know, a high standard of living, quality of life, you know, then maybe everybody uh, has to go out and earn earn a career and uh, bring in some some revenue for that to that end. But uh, you know, those that could did, and it was great. Uh, I'll tell you where it came in handy uh, with the with regard to disciplining. The cadets and you know, listen they're children for crying out loud they're they're 13 to 17 years old they're great kids but you know they'll act out like like any other child i was not a big believer in you know detention or iss oss in school suspension out of school suspension i to your point i got to know particularly the moms you know either face to face when they came for a uh, for one of the uh, open houses or competitions, and I'll tell you, nothing will correct a cadet or any child's behavior like a phone call to a caring mom. <laughs> some of them would say, Carl Barros, do you want to spank my child? I go, no, no, actually I don't, but uh, if you could tell Michael that, uh, you know, that particular behavior is not acceptable in JRTC or anywhere, and he's probably going to want to correct that before he becomes an adult. I'd greatly appreciate it. Bam. Next time I see Michael, it's like a new kid. <laughs> ah, Colonel B, why would you go and tell my mom? Well, did it work? Yeah, that's why I told your mom. <laughs> you know, that's detention, great. you know, or as the kids call it, incarceration. You know, it's like incarceration in the real world. Mm -hmm. uh, are they really going to be rehabilitated? Mm -mm. Who knows? One other question: uh, As important as as I feel the um, uh, color guard is, also do you all work at all with uh, uh, drum and bugle corps in any shape, form, or fashion? Now, when you say the drum and bugle corps, uh, well, a drum and bugle corps. Yeah, within the high school. Matter of fact, some of the JRTC cadets are in both. They are in JRTC, but they're also with the band. And depending on the school, you know, every school is different. Um, there are, you know, at Columbus High, we had a, a band with percussion and and, and uh, the brass. So we had, quote, unquote, a drum and bugle course. So when we did the, for example, the Veterans Day ceremony at the school, which was completely cadet run, uh, that would be part of our little march from our JRTC area to the flagpole in front of the school. And the drums would beat, the horns would blow, and, you know, we'd have some John Philip Sousa action going on. 
And, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So, you know, one of the good things about Columbus, Georgia, there is, there is such a, a uh, litany of, of things to support the military. There's a, there's a gentleman here who will loan you a World War II Jeep, you know, pristine-looking right. Jeep for a ceremony. And you've probably seen those military ceremonies oh, yeah. where, like, oh, yeah. a change of command, yep. where the ingoing and outgoing commanders do a tour of the troops mm-hmm. while riding in a jeep. We've <laughs> actually done that. <laughs> That's neat. Uh, between our, our one of our deputy directors years ago and and the in, uh, the outgoing and the incoming. So, uh, you know, and being outside of uh, Fort Benning. There's really a lot of resources. The National Infantry Museum, for crying out loud, there's, that's just, you know, a world-class museum, award-winning, all kinds of resources for the kids to get involved with. Uh, science, technology, engineering, math, that's a big thing. It's called STEM. Um, you know, these kids are all entering, well, they're not entering. We are in the robotics age. So pretty much a lot of what you learn in high school in some way, shape, or form, should or has to touch science, technology, engineering, or math. And we have it in JROTC. So, but yeah, Drum and Bugle Corps um, is just a small piece of junior achievement. Uh, uh, financial literacy, you know, kids need to know what a checkbook is and uh, how to read a bank statement. That's, that's actually part of our curriculum. Real life, usable skills. That's fantastic. We're about to uh, going to have to wrap it up pretty soon, and I want to put a, plug, a couple of plugs in for uh, things that we have. We're so blessed to live in Georgia, and the appreciation that Georgians show for our military, and part of it's due to Fort Benning. Um, they have a great museum. If you've never been to the Fort Benning Museum, uh, you need to put it on your tour plans uh, for this summer or any time. And uh, it, it's a great, great museum. And uh, you'll you'll learn, I guarantee you, you'll learn something every time you go. The next uh, thing I wanted to put a plug in for is, like we've been talking about, the um, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Uh, it's in the old Sloppy Floyd building right across the street from the Capitol. And... Uh, Along with that, they uh, have uh, a great restaurant, so you can make it a full day. And uh, uh, when you go, and they have a great restaurant there, so uh, go and enjoy and walk around. And either adults that can remember, or if you got grandkids or kids, take them there and explain who these people are and what they are and what they were and what they've done for their country. And I think it's fantastic. Now, my last plug is that uh, I happen to live in Johns Creek, and we have the Johns Creek, or I say we have. uh, Mike Mazzell has done a wonderful job of bringing in the Healing Wall, which is a 50% replica of the Vietnam Veteran Wall in Washington, D.C., this one that's at Johns Creek, and, and it has a permanent home there now, it was uh, the replica that traveled the country, went all over the country uh, as a half-sized version of the uh, Washington Veterans Memorial. 
and you know it it's just wonderful and they call it the healing wall because a lot of vets have found closure and are veteran families and that's one other thing that i like to tip my hat at on these shows is that there are veterans and there are veterans but we often forget the veterans families and they make sacrifices that are absolutely incredible and unbelievable and they support our country as much as the man or woman holding the gun and i i always want to salute the families of veterans and um they do a whale of a job, and it can be the the family, it can be the mother and father that's supporting the daughter or son or whatever, or the wife that's supporting the husband for six months, a year, six years, uh, out of their lives. And we certainly do recognize them. And want to remind everybody: tomorrow is Friday, and that's Red Shirt Friday. Wear a red shirt in honor of our military our veterans our first responders and those that support our country wear your red shirt tomorrow and let everybody know that you support them so with that being said roger i want to thank you for coming on today i hope it hadn't been too painful for you it was it was pure joy good well i appreciate that and i hope you'll pass it on to uh, our good friend mr white and uh, colonel white and um, I'm sure he may have some of uh, your friends call you and say, well, you know, was it as bad as you thought or as good as you thought? And uh, we look forward to doing this every Thursday. And uh, we've got more people lined up for next week. And, uh, Roger, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you, you touch kids at probably the most critical times in their lives because they got they're 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 working with a not quite mature brain but they've got decisions that they have to start making and you help them make those decisions and you give them order to their lives and something to look forward to and look up to and that's so important and i thank you your staff and if we can ever be a service, just call. And I'm looking forward to you bringing up some of your kids and uh, sitting around our round table and uh, talking about what they like and what they don't like about it and the best part of it and uh, what they're planning to do with their lives. So thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I just want to reciprocate and say thank you for giving us a voice, us being all the veterans and patriots and families uh, that really love the country. Um, I appreciate what you do, and I will certainly definitely talk up America's Web Radio. Thank you, sir. And we'll be in touch, and as I always ask, will you do it again with us? Oh, absolutely. All righty. Thank you, sir. Have a good uh, weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Same to you. God bless. You too. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.